Thank you so very much. Today, open your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 24. And then we are going to start a presentation today that we have never done. And it is, like I said, it's going to be so awesome. But I just want to give you some scripture before we get into it today. Did somebody put on the air? We did, because it's like blowing clue air right now. Whatever happened is changing my life. Thank you. I was about ready to start preaching in a t-shirt. Amen. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 is the subject for today's presentation. And I promise you, you've never seen anything like this. And if you open your heart, it will change your life, and you'll never be the same again. And it will be greater than Avatar, Nightmare on Elm Street, anything that you think is exciting, sad, scary, all of that is going to be wrapped up in this presentation. Look at Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. It's at the end of Joshua's life. He was the second in charge after Moses. He had to take the people into the promised land. He is now about ready to die. They are going to live in the promised land. And this is what he says. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Somebody say all faithfulness. Thank you. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Somebody say serve the Lord. Thank you. So serve him with all faithfulness and serve the Lord. Verse 15. But. Everybody say but. You see, some people got a big old but. They're going to say but. Serving God ain't always easy, Pastor. But you don't know where I live. But you don't know all the habits that I got in my life. But it may be easy for you, but it's harder for me. Look at your neighbor and say, get your big old butt out the way. Get your big old butt. But I'll still go to heaven because I'm a good person. No, no, you won't. Listen to what the Bible says. You better serve him with all faithfulness because if he's not the Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. Amen? If you think you're going to give God 95% you're going to get something in heaven, you are wrong, my friend. Listen to what he says. Serve him with all faithfulness. Serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you. So you don't want to do it. You don't desire to wait until you are married to have sex. You don't desire to be a giver of your finances. You don't desire to stop cussing and and cheating and stealing and lying and looking at pornography or having a bad temper. If it's undesirable to you, then choose for yourself. Everybody say a personal choice. Look at your neighbor and say it's personal. You see, it says, then choose for yourselves this day. Somebody say today. Amen. It says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living in. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So you got a decision to make right now. You have a personal choice to make. That's the presentation today. Nobody's going to make that choice for you. No one is going to force you to make that choice. We're not going to manipulate you to make that choice. It's up to you. Here Joshua's people used to serve idols. They would bow down to statues. Today we bow down to 65-inch TVs and sports and entertainment. We bow down to our jobs. We bow down to money. We bow down to peer pressure. We bow down to politically correct. We bow down to all types of things other than God. If you don't believe it, look at your checkbook and look at your calendar and see where God is on the list. 
What you spend your money on is what you care about. What you spend your time on is what you care about. And most of the time, God just gets right bottom at the list. But that's not the option you have today. You don't have an option to be lukewarm. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 16, that he will spit out the lukewarm out of his mouth on judgment day. Look at your neighbor and say, God can puke you off. Oh, yeah, it gets quiet when you preach like this, but I'll talk about it on old hallowed eve, amen. We ain't celebrating the dead, but if you have any of that junk, that spirit in you, we didn't come to dress up like them. We came to cast them out in Jesus' name, amen. So if you got those in you, we getting them out in Jesus' name. But listen to this. He said, the lukewarm make me puke. Now look at your own life. Have you ever, you know, come to drink a cup of coffee? Maybe you forgot that the pot had been sitting there all day, and you went and poured it in your cup, and all of a sudden you began to drink it. And what did you want to do? Spit it up. Maybe you had the milk out all day. You were messing with the kids. You were doing different things. And then you wanted to get yourself a little glass of milk, and it was lukewarm. What did it make you want to do? Spit it up. But think to yourself, when milk is cold, it's good. When it's hot, it's good. When coffee is cold cold, you can get one of those frappy, maki, latte, litos, cappuccinos right over here, a little frosting on top. You know what I'm talking about in the summer at Starbucks? And then you can get those nice high, hot coffees. And so what God is saying, man, you've got to be radical. You've got to go one direction or the other. But if you try to stay right in the middle, that makes him puke. So it's your choice. And today what I thought was best, because we've done plays where, where people have been Jesus and the devil, and we make the sounds of hell, and we got the lights all dark, everything. And that sometimes may scare the hell out of you. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, he did say that. Because sometimes people get so scared, and they want fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. Oh, that was scary. You're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, I've done the voice before. And then, I don't want to go to hell. See, today's message is not just fire insurance. Today's message, what are you going to see today? What is, what is the presentation? I have invited people from the congregation to share with you the most intimate secrets of their life and the choices they made to serve God. You see, because it's real easy on a Sunday service to say, yeah, I choose God. Yeah, I'll do what's right. But what happens Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? How are you going to live? So when we began to pray and said, what are we going to do for Halloween? We began to pray. And God put in my heart, he said, have people talk about the choices they've had to make to serve God. Some have had to choose not to do pornography, to get past the hurts of losing a loved one. Some have had to make the choices of leaving behind their friends. But every single one of their choices was personal because they chose for themselves that they would serve God. The first person that I want to welcome up here is David Carrasco. Would you give a hand clap as David comes? I had a personal choice from being a distant father, an abusive husband, or humbling myself and let God do to me what he wanted to do and become the man who he wanted me to become. See, I was distant from my kids and abusive to my wife because, and many, see, and I, I was so lost in sin and I didn't even realize it. How it became was that. I, I worked hard. I did. I worked hard as many hours as I could, as, as hard as I could. Why to provide for my family to take them out, take them out on outings, and never go to uh, never go to church. We go to church once in a while, but what was the point of me going to church? Because then I was abusing my wife because I was a drunkard. I would get drunk. I would neglect my wife. I'd take my families out on Saturdays or on Sundays 
skip church or go, go do some events after church, but I'll go to church on a Sunday morning with a hangover. I was dying in my sin. My sickness was my sin because I allowed myself to become what the world wanted me to be. I was not allowing for God to do in my life what needed to be done. And then I, my kids started coming to church in Metro Praise when we were at the other location. Me and my wife were like, good, you know, they, they got some place to go. It's church, fine, it's church. We just left it at that. And me and my wife would just, uh, you know, do our own thing on Fridays. The kids were at church. We would go out partying, clubbing, and a lot of times I'd pick arguments with my wife. This is where I can go out with my friends and enjoy my time. Enjoy my time because I needed me time. At that time, it was about me, and my wife was concerned about me so much, and I strike fear into my kids' hearts because I was the type of guy that if you looked at me the wrong way on the streets, we would pull over and we're going to fight. There was times when I chased people down in my car with my kids in the car. I'd done it with my wife in the car. I was lost in my sin, and I allowed for my strength to be my weakness. Because that of the flesh, that strength that I had in the flesh, I was allowing for me to drag me down to the pits of hell. And my, my family was going down with me. Not because they wanted to, because I allowed it to be and I was raising them this way. So then I had a personal choice. And I made that choice. To accept Jesus into my life and let God do to me what he needed to do. And I allowed for him to empty me out. Empty me out. Crush me. I fell upon the rock. And I let him mold me again. And I praise the Lord for such grace and mercy for him to mold me and fold me again into that jar of clay that he wanted me to be. And fill me up with fresh living water. So I made that personal choice in the name of Jesus. Thank you, brother. What David is sharing about is a typical thing that you'll see all throughout Chicago. I used to live in New Orleans, and I thought they had some issues, you know, people getting in fights and everything. I never saw anything like what I saw in Chicago until I got here. I watched, I watched one guy in a car just pull right over cross lanes and pin another guy's car to the side of the road and start fighting. I've, I've seen people break out in fights in the middle of grocery stores. A funeral. I saw a fight in the middle of a funeral. Why is there so much anger in men's hearts today? There's so much good that can come out of a man's heart. He can work hard. A man can become strong. He can provide for his family. But what happens when men get frustrated? When they don't see things that they want to see, they begin to take out their anger on other people. And who are the ones who are going to get it the worst? The ones that are in the house. The ones that are in the house. And you know what? Maybe there's somebody here today, and you're being abused, or you're an abuser, and you don't want to talk about it. But David did. You know why? Because he made a choice to change. Jesus will give you the choice to change. All the men here today that are saying, I'm trying to be the best man I can be, but it doesn't work out and it makes me angry sometimes. I want to tell you something. This is what the Bible says. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. God is saying, don't take it out on your family. Bring it to him in prayer. So every man here today, Every young man today already starting to imitate that same behavior of losing your temper, kicking holes in the wall, getting in fights, treating women disrespectively, yelling at your children as you would, as if you were going to fight somebody, screaming at the top of your lungs. This is what the Bible says. Lift up your hands in your time of frustration. Lift up your hands and say, God, I need you. 
God, I need you. God, I need somebody stronger than me who can fix my problems. And no matter who you are, you may even be a young lady or a mother facing this. Hear what God is saying to you. But remember, it's your choice. No one's going to make you do it today. The next story that I want you to hear is from Griselda. I was going to say Rubio, but Griselda Gorea. Where is she at? There she is. All right, amen. Um, I had a personal choice of being a party girl or, and being a bartender to being a righteous and holy woman of God. On April 8, 2007, I gave my life over to Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. Um, I came to a service not expecting my life to be transformed, but as I sat in the front row, uh, a pastor began to preach the gospel. He was just getting down, you know, and he comes up to me in front of everybody just like this, and he begins to tell me things about my life, like right in my face, things this man could not have known about me. At that moment, I knew it wasn't the man speaking to me, but that it was God. He spoke things about my family, about school, about relationships, and I knew God was calling me. And at that moment, I felt just humiliation at all the things I'd ever done, knowing that God was watching. But at the same time, I felt the mercy and the grace of God. And broken down in that service, I gave my life to God. There wasn't and a list of do's and don'ts that was handed to me. I knew what God was calling me to do and the things I needed to leave behind. There was, there was partying. There was the bars. You know, I worked at a bar. And the Holy Spirit would tug at my heart and tell me that wasn't the place where he wanted me to be. But I said, it's, it's okay. You know, I'm not really doing that much. I'm working the lunch shift. It's not that bad. People are out there doing some worse things. I'm a good person. But he's like, no, no, no. See, I'm calling you for something different. I'm calling you for something higher. I'm not judging you by the standards of this world. I have higher standards for you. See, we are not, you guys are not my judge. You know, my friends from the world, they're not my judge. They were saying, you're good, you're good. What's wrong with you? God is my judge. And I made the personal choice to be a righteous woman that God has called me to be. So I praise God for that. I wonder how many people today are dealing with that same thing. Maybe you have a job that causes you to compromise, a bartender. Can you imagine this? Christianity cost her her job. Sometimes we think about, you know, Jesus is going to give me a new house, and he's going to give me a pony, and Jesus is going to make all my dreams come true. It's like winning the lottery. But what about for those people when you accept Jesus, you have to give up something. You have to give up a good job. You have to give up some of your friends. You have to give up what you've done on a Friday or Saturday night. Listen to what Paul said. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Those are all those types of things that are found in clubs and parties. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envies. Drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you. Somebody say he's warning us. He said, as I did before, that those who live like this will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're making an excuse for your bad habit. 
Maybe you're making an excuse. Maybe you're saying, well, I only drink on the weekends. Or maybe you're saying that I, I got these drugs under control. And by the way, they should make marijuana legal anyways. Maybe you're making excuses and you're saying, you know what? I'm just partying because I have nothing better to do. But I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody. Look what the Bible says. You cannot enter the kingdom of God that way. Griselda had a choice to make. Am I going to go back out and live the life of a good girl? Because that's what her friend said. Or am I going to change and live? The way God wants me to live. I can relate to this story because I did drugs. I was a high school dropout. I had done things that destroyed my life. And I saw Jesus Christ give me that same choice. November 5th, 1995. And this November 5th, it's going to make 15 years that I made a choice to serve Jesus Christ. That me and my house would serve Jesus. Nobody here is saying Jesus doesn't love you if you come from an alcoholic family or dealing with alcoholism. I lost my sister drinking and driving. She hit a pole in a 35-mile-an-hour uh, highway road. She was going 70 miles an hour. She flew through the top of her car. My friends, the first funeral I ever preached was for my sister. And I watched my other side of the family become more alcoholics as me and the other side decided we will serve God. I'm not promising you it's going to be easy. I'm not promising you that every day you're going to wake up and say, oh, this is so easy. But I'm telling you, it's not 12 steps. It's one step to Jesus Christ. And if you'll let him, it's not AA, it's JC, baby. Amen. Jesus Christ, call on him. Praise God. The next person that I want you to hear today is Cynthia Roldan. Would you give it up for Cynthia as she comes, please? God is good. God is good. I had a personal choice of being depressed and upset with God or at peace when I lost my mother. He has healed me completely. I don't cry because I was a bad daughter. I just cry for the beautiful memories. And because three months before my mother passed, she came to a service, and she was saved at 65. It was the best Easter Sunday service that we had titled that Sunday. 65 years old, a Catholic woman believing in idols and everything else. She asked me, Cindy, in Spanish, yo quiero ir, I want to go. So we walked, and she asked God, and he blessed her and he forgave her and he took her home three months after God has healed me completely and I just from the inside out restoration completely so don't ever ever give up that moment to take that one step because that, that could be your last step that is why I made a choice to come to Jesus Christ and ask him to give me peace and joy through all my trials. Thank you. What do you do when you lose somebody you love? When the person you cared about the most leaves? If the world has its way as we live in this earthly place, we're all going to lose our parents. And then parents, we're going to have to say goodbye to our children. And it continues on and on. And then we know in this world that accidents happen. 
People go before their time. What do we do when those things happen? There's always a choice. There's a choice to either be depressed, to blame God, to shake your fist and say, Why, God? Why did I lose my child? Why did I lose my mother? Why did my friend have to die? Or we could come to Jesus. Look what Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3 says. And to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to, dis- to dis- bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of morning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The Bible says he'll take off your garments of despair and put on you the garment of praise. How will you make it through that situation? You will praise your way out. You will begin to thank God for everything he's done for you. You won't focus on the negative. You'll focus on all the good that he has done. And you will praise your way out. People might look at you crazy. Why are you praising God? We ain't even singing songs. Because I'm praising my way out. I have no choice but to praise. People hear you in church. Why is she praising so loud? Because you don't know what I've been through. If you only knew what he's done for me, you would know the jump, the shout, the holler, the hallelujah I've got in my spirit. I'm telling somebody today, it doesn't matter what you've gone through, God will make a trade with you. Your depression for his joy, your sorrow for his praise and laughter, the sun will shine again. The Bible says the weeping endures for the night. Joy comes in the morning. All you got to do is hold on. And you might say, Pastor, you don't understand. You're right, I don't understand. But somebody took a cross 2,000 years ago. 39 lashes on his back, three nails in his body, a crown of thorns around his brow, so he could say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God understands. I'm preaching to somebody today. You have a choice today. Depression comes on like a wave. We've all felt it, some more than others, and you have a choice to fight against it. It's not wrong to feel the way you do. It's just wrong to stay that way. You're not honoring that person. They would want you to be happy. They would want you to find joy in life. And it's not a false joy. Oh, I'm so happy. Praise the Lord. No, it's a real joy that comes down deep in your soul. Because you know that God is your God. And there's a place in heaven for you. And that he will overcome every situation you face here. He said, yes, you have trouble on this earth. But be of good cheer. He said, I've overcome the world. And so today, make a choice. Nobody can make it for you. Nobody can follow you home into that place you cry, to that place that you feel the most depressed, to that refrigerator when you get out that cookie and cream ice cream. Amen. Nobody can make you put it down and live your life. Nobody can make you get back up and go back to your job and put a smile back on your face. But if you make a choice, God will meet you in that choice. He didn't say you'll do it for yourself. You don't make yourself happy. I understand that there are things in life that nobody can get free from. Except God sets you free. And so when you make that choice and you say, I will serve him. I don't know how I'll get back up. I don't know how I'll smile. But I will start to praise him. The Bible says he will trade the garments. He'll take it off of you. That garment of despair that follows you like a dark cloud everywhere you go. He'll put on you the garment of praise. Today it's your choice to either be depressed and oppressed by this world. Or to let the praise of God set you free. That's the answer. Dr. Phil doesn't have it. Buying it at the grocery store for $1.99 ain't going to work, my friends. Sleeping medicines ain't going to work. You need Jesus. Can you say amen? 
Praise God. The next person I want to come and share their personal story is my personal boobster boo, Nancy Verostek. Can you give the Lord some hand clap of praise as she comes? Amen. I had the choice to make on whether I was going to be a hypocrite Christian that just went to church on Sundays or really, really be a real Christian and a disciple of the Lord. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were awesome, godly parents. They loved the Lord. They raised me and my sister in a beautiful environment. And uh, by the time I was 15, you know, I kind of wanted to do my own thing. So from 15 to 18, I was in a relationship with a guy that wasn't saved. He didn't want God. And I just kind of followed that path because I wanted to do my own thing. I was rebellious at that time. And um, I remember uh, through those, you know, three years, just doing my own thing and still going to church because my parents made me. I really didn't have a choice. And deep down inside, you know, I, I wanted Jesus. I still called myself a Christian, but I lived nothing like what the Bible taught me to live. I was a liar. I was sexually impure. And by the time I turned 18, I remember going to a youth conference with my youth group. There was thousands of teenagers all around. And I remember the message being about surrendering your all for God. And at that altar call, I remember just standing up and raising my hands and saying, Jesus, I surrender everything. And at that moment, it felt like it was just me and him in the room, nobody else around, even though there was thousands of teenagers. And I said, God, I'll give it all up. I'm going to break up with my boyfriend. I don't want him. I don't want anything else. I don't want the lying. I don't want the impurity anymore. I want to live for you with everything inside of me. And that's what I did. I went back home, and I said, God, you got to help me. And I broke up with him. And he was the one that said, you know what, I kind of feel like I'm bringing you down. Do you want to break up? And I said, yes. And I just you know, told him that I was going to follow Jesus, and if he wanted to, he could. But if, if he wasn't, I was going my separate way, and that's what I did. And I got plugged into my youth group. I started being discipled by my youth pastor, and then he called me into the ministry. And the life that I have now, that was November 3rd, 2000, when I made that decision. That was almost 10 years ago. And the life that I have now, the awesome man of God, this, this beautiful, beautiful man that God gave to me, And the children, I I mean, 10 years of living for the Lord, nothing. I could have never done that on my own. But God redeemed the time. All that time that I lost living for the world, Jesus has given back to me because of his faithfulness. So I made that choice to be a real Christian and a disciple of Jesus. Praise God. See, I love when my wife shares her testimony because after I share my testimony, I'm like that little lost puppy dog that comes to the house, a little dirty and mangy. You know, people hear my testimony and like, man, you sure did need Jesus. Woo, I'm glad I wasn't you. But then you hear the testimony of my wife and it's like, oh, hold on. Really? What was so bad? What? You know, she never even tasted alcohol, never, never tasted a cigarette. But she knew that she wasn't born again. And she knew that she was breaking the Lord's commands, even as small, itsy-bitsy, as they may seem to others, lying to her parents, going out with a guy that her parents didn't approve of. You see, my friends, when you want to put yourself, I'm on the good, I'm on the good track to heaven, I'm the good person, you better make sure you're judging yourself, not according to your friend or the axe murderer, but according to Jesus' standards. Because Jesus said, if you've committed a sin, you're a sinner. That means you're already guilty, condemned to hell, unless you're born again. So take the good person test with me right now, no matter who you are. Have you ever told a lie? Yes, we've all told lies. Now, don't lie about it. Be honest. 
Have you ever told a lie? Yes. Well, what does that make you according to the Bible? A liar. Well, I only did it one time. Let me ask you a question. If somebody murdered somebody one time, what do we call them? A mur- oh, I only did it once. That's all it takes to be labeled as that, my friend, according to God as well. You lie once, you're a liar. Let's keep going in the test, though most of us have already failed. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? I'm not talking about stealing a car, hijacking a plane. Have you ever taken clothes, ladies, and not given them back? Have you taken something from your job, come late, but said you were there on time? Have you ever lied on your taxes? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you from work? The Bible says you're a thief. Here's the one that will get most men up in here. Have you ever lusted after a woman? Have you ever desired to have a woman sexually besides marriage? The Bible says that's adultery. How about every person here? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? That's called rebellion. That's just four of the Ten Commandments. So out of the good person test of God, we are liars, we are thieves, we are adulterers, and we are rebellious. Let's not get into coveting. Let's not get into idolatry. Hello, somebody. The Bible says he will judge us by that standard. So everybody needs Jesus. Even cute, cuddly, Athanasia, Nancy needs Jesus. Look at what Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3 says. But among you, there must not even be a hint. Everybody say a hint. A hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. So is he calling us to give him 95, 98%, 99%? No. He's saying, you want to be holy? Get all the junk out. Now you might say, Pastor, well, nobody's perfect. That's the point, my friend. Confess your sins and let him perfect you. You don't keep using that excuse to keep on sinning. Could you imagine me saying that to my wife on the day we get married? To death do us part. Well, hold on, honey. Nobody's perfect. I'm planning on cheating on you when I get a little bit older. Would she marry me? No. How would you like that before they get swearing a police officer? The police are, are you going to uphold this and live by the law? Well, nobody's perfect. I'm going to do it every now and then, I'm gonna, but I'm going to cheat and lie. Come on, somebody. You know how to give your word. Keep your word. And if you break your word, repent. Repent means re-return. And pent means penance. It means you turn away from the thing you're sorry for. So if you slapping somebody and you say you're sorry, stop slapping them. Amen? I'm so sorry. Do you forgive me? Uh, yes. I did it again. I'm so sorry. Do you forgive Yes. When do you think somebody's going to go, hey, you don't mean what you're saying? Do you think God is smarter than a pimp on the street? Come on, somebody. God is smart. He understands when we're playing a game with him. Don't play a game with God. Turn from your wicked ways. Fight sin. Pursue God. And the Bible says that's your choice. Look at your neighbor and say, it's my choice. It's a personal choice. Amen. Next coming up to present is Ishmael Lopez. That is so awesome. Um, I made a personal choice between being a man with a pornographic habit, a pornography habit, or a man of God. I had that choice to make. And pathetically, I was one of those leaders, Christians, that would stand up on stage and minister to the people and hide sin. Pathetically, I was one of those guys that would uh, pray and lay hands over people and not confess my own sin anyone else and all along my journey of 
sin and repentance and habitual sin and repentance, God was saying, you need to stop. You need to choose me today. He was laying before me two choices, and there were death and life. And slowly I could see death creeping into my life. You know, it may not have been evident to everyone, but it was evident to me because I was allowing myself to live in this habitual sin. But then God, then God spoke so clearly to my heart. He said, Ishmael, you must stop. Choose today death or life. With a broken heart, I said, God, I choose life. I choose you, God. I don't want my marriage to be destroyed. I don't want my relationship with you, Lord God, to waver and be gone. I want you. I need you. And the Lord just came and he set me free. And he said, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I come to you today and I say, whatever you are dealing with, whatever shackles hold you back, do not make those shackles an idol. Come to Jesus. He will break them. He will set you free. And you'll feel love for the first time all over again. I made a choice. And I choose to be a man of God. Thank you for that. Praise God. I wonder if we could be that spider on the wall and see how many men did that this week. How many men and young men looked at pornography this week? Pornography is the number one business on the Internet around the world. It is the biggest business They say one out of two men do it. And those one out of two that do it, most of them do it consistently hours a week. It starts off with a little look here, a little look there. Maybe it started when you were 11, 12, 13 years old. And then it got to be a little bit more and a little bit more. And now they say that men with the Internet have more of a habit of pornography than this world has ever known. Because it's right in front of them. It's private. They don't even need a magazine, a peep show. It's right there. And men will spend hours there and neglect their family. But yet, since it's so covered with shame, nobody wants to talk about it. It's so embarrassing. It's so personal. And now they say that the trend has come to young ladies as well. And we in the church hear it confess almost as much among the young ladies because it's so available. And then now with sexual perversion, it goes into homosexual sex, transsexual sex. And now this world wakes up to a confused sexuality. No one knows what's right anymore because the whole society is perverted. When we say the word perverse, we don't just mean it's dirty, something nasty. Perverse means to misuse an object. God gave us sexuality for a reason, to procreate, to love one another in a holy matrimony, not to abuse it and to become addicted to the sensualness of it. 
And today people want to switch their sexual identity. People want to have all of these sexual adventures to satisfy that sensual desire. But it's never satisfied. The man may say to himself, this is my last time, honey. I promise that was my last time. And yet he'll find himself in the same trap he was in the very day before. Listen to what Jesus says, our master and savior. Jesus said, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So that means from the pastor holding the microphone to you sitting where you are, you have a choice to make. And you might say, Pastor, when was the last time you looked at it? I'll keep it real. Last time I looked at it was Thanksgiving break of 1996 when I was in Bible college. My friends, God can set you free. Don't you tell me you are any different than me. I know what it's like to have the same desires as a man or woman who lusts after their own male, female. doesn't matter. I know what it's like. God set me free. And today you have a personal choice. It's between you and God. I told you today would be more real than Nightmare on Elm Street. Because anybody can be scared by the blood and all that and just leave out the movie. That was just a movie. I'm glad that's not real. My friends, this ain't a game. This is your life. This is your life. It's scarier than the most scariest movie you could ever see. Because you will, the Bible says, you will be called an adulterer before the courts of God today. It's a personal choice. And God will walk you through it. He'll break the addiction. He'll give you back love for your wife. I remember when I finally met my wife, I was around 27 years old. We started to date. My friend, listen to me, gentlemen, who you, you listen to it and watch pornography. You watch it for hours and it doesn't do anything to you. When I cut that junk out for years, when I met my wife, about 10 years being free from pornography, just touching my wife's hand, holding hands, whoa, that made me excited. You know why? Because we've gotten so numb that we don't know what true love is anymore. I remember, I'm telling you, man, I used to go to parties. I was just like what Ishmael was. And I remember just holding my wife's hand. And I said, I'm getting so excited. I feel so much love. Boy, this is awesome. Love is love. I love love. Boy, this is great. And it was just holding her hand. My friends, we need to go back in time to when we had pure hearts. And if you've never had one, ask God to give you one. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. The next person I'd like to have come forward is Monica Montez. Would you give it up for her as she comes? Hey, guys. Um, I had a personal choice of uh, staying Catholic um, to make my family happy or to come to Jesus Christ and being born again. And um, I lived my whole life in Germany. I came two years ago. My my grandmother's um, brother is a bishop, a Catholic bishop in Venezuela. So in every living room you see my my uncle and the Pope, um, how do you say, holding their hands. <laughs> so everybody is like, you know, you go to church on Sundays and you do what's right. And my uncle was always telling me, like, you make sure you marry a Catholic man. But then I came to Metro Praise and I was like in the back. Everybody was worshiping and I was so touched because the man in front of me he raised his hand and he was thanking God for his son who was like in front of him and I was just like all those years going to church and I don't even know what it means to pray I don't know what it what it means to say God thank you for my life thank you for my family thank you for everything you've given me I was scared I was embarrassed and I was not able to raise my hands so God changed me the more and more I came the more I let go of who I was and I became a new person I went back to Germany to visit my family with David, my husband now. And I was so excited just to tell him 
I changed. I love God too now. Like I thought they're going to be happy. But just telling them I don't smoke anymore, I don't drink. My father is making vodka in the basement and like forcing me to, come on, you can take one. It's like, no, I don't do that anymore. I choose to be righteous and pure. They thought that I'm in a cult. And I'm like, oh my, I could not believe that they were thinking that what I do is wrong. And it hurt my heart and everything. And yes, I was scared to turn my back on my family, but I was more afraid to turn my back on my Father in heaven because all those years I did, all those years I did not know who God is. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God. And I learned this here. And I pray for my family and I love them, but I changed and now I came to God and I know, I know what true worship is. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I, I wonder what it's like when someone comes to Jesus from a background like that. I was brought up Christian when my parents wanted me to do the right thing. Maybe some of you are in that same position right now. You're accepting Jesus. You're going home. You're saying, I- I'm coming to church. I'm loving Jesus. I believe in it now. I believe in the Bible. But maybe somebody is saying it's not the way they were taught. And it's like the old story about the woman who was cooking ham one day with her, with her daughter. She was cutting off these ends of the ham for the Thanksgiving dinner, and she was putting it in the pan, and then she took the two ends of the ham, and she threw it away. And her daughter said, Mommy, why did you just throw away the ham? And she said, Because I've always been taught. Your, mother, your grandmother, my mother, taught me how to cook ham like this. If you really want to know, go ask her. And so the, the little daughter goes up to her grandma and says, Grandma, I just watched mom cut off the ends of the ham and throw them in the garbage. Why does she do that? And the grandma began to laugh, and she said, well, because when we cooked ham, the pot and pan was too small. We couldn't fit the ham in it, and we had to cut off the ends. That's why. You see, my friends, there's things that we're doing in our lives. Well, my mama did it. Well, why is your mama doing it? Well, go ask the grandma, and we don't even know where it came from. And we think that we're going to get to heaven because of what somebody else did. Well, my dad's a pastor, or my mom went to church, or my uncle's a bishop. It doesn't matter. And there are so many different beliefs and religions out there to choose from. As a matter of fact, when people in Islam choose Christ, many of them are disfellowshipped from their family forever, or they're put to death. Go to voiceofthemartyrs.com, and you will see an organization that documents the suffering of Christians around the world. My friends, you might have to give up something for Jesus. You, you might have to even say no to your family. Maybe there's a tradition in your family like some of the people from the church have told me there's traditions during Halloween or when somebody dies, they, they pray to that spirit and they set food before their pitcher. Maybe there's some type of a family tradition you partake in. Maybe everybody on this day goes and drinks and that's part of their, their, their religion. My friends, you have to make a choice between your relationship with this world and your relationship with God the Father. I'm not saying you disfellowship them. I'm not saying you don't love them. I'm not saying you don't go after them. No, I'm just saying if they give the choice, sometimes you might have to say, well, if I'm not welcome living for God this way, then I won't come. Because as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Look at what Galatians chapter 1 verse 8 through 9 says. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. So the Bible says that people may come preaching another gospel. They may say this is the way to get to heaven. This is the way to do it. This is the way. No, Paul said if they even an angel comes into your room, who are you? I'm an angel. Well, angel, what should I do? Well, I want you to translate these golden tablets into a message, and I want you to go tell everybody there's a lot of gods, and I'm just one of many gods, and I want you to have the young people pedal little bikes. That's how the Mormon faith got started. I'm not even joking. I wrote a book about it. My friends, even if an angel tells you something that's miraculous, well, I am the Virgin Mary. Pray to me now. Even if an angel, you say, are those aberrations true? Sure they are. Demons, the Bible say, even appear as angels of light. Show me where Jesus prayed to anybody other than the Father. Tell me where were the disciples pray to anybody other than the Father. Even when Jesus' mother, Mary, and his cousins came to him, they, they said, your mother, your cousins, your brothers are out there. You need to come and be with them. He said, who is my mother, my brother, my sister? Those, he pointed in the room, who do the will of God. Hallelujah. Then one woman was already trying to start the rosary. One woman walked up to Mary. This is in the Bible, friends. I'll show it to you. Walked up to Mary in the Bible and said, "What blessed are your womb. Blessed are you because you gave birth to Jesus. And Jesus said, blessed are those who keep my commands. My friends, not even Mary was getting in another way. Amen. You want to pray like how Mary prayed? Pray to the Father and her Son in Jesus' name. That's how Mary prayed, amen? And I'll tell you something, when you get in trouble, you don't want Peter, Paul, his buddy, his golfing partner. Let me tell you who you want, J-E-S-U-S, baby. Call on him, amen? Pardon me, nice to meet you, Peter, but I need Jesus, the one who bore my sins on that tree. The Bible says, if anyone preaches to you another gospel, let him be eternally condemned. He repeats himself, verse 9, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what we accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Take what you believe seriously. We live in a buffet world. I'll take a little Jesus, or maybe a little Buddha with that. And I'll take a little Oprah Winfrey. She's so cute. <laughs> and I'll take a little bit of what my, my mama told me. And I'll take a little bit of what I read in Bible, uh, in history class. My friends, this ain't a buffet religion. Take what you want. It's either Jesus or nobody. It's either the devil or Jesus. That's it, my friends. There ain't no C, D, and E option. It's A or B. It's a personal choice, though. I chose Jesus because he is the Lamb of God that was slain, rose again on the third day, and he is coming back, my friends. We'll teach you about that, but it's got to be your choice. We'll still love you. We love Muslims. Assalamu alaikum. Come on. We love you no matter how you come. But this is the truth according to the Bible. It's no ifs, ands, or buts. Amen. Praise God. We have one more that's going to come before you today. Adam Nieves, one of our youth. I had a personal choice of being a popular kid in high school or being a man of God called to preach his word. And my story is different. I I grew up in a godly home, was born. I I went to church all my life. My parents brought me up going to church and and the fear of the Lord. And that was something I was at a young age. and, And it really started when I went to high school. And even before then, I was at a service one time. And I remember a man coming up to me, and he said, Adam, you're going to be a pastor one day. And I said, no, I'll, I'll be a baseball player, because I was so into baseball. For 12 years of my life, playing baseball, was traveling, went to 
different places and, and being noticed by scouts and all this. So I thought, you know, I'm pretty good at this. I'll do that. High school came along. It was all about baseball grades, and that's it. And one thing that happened, it was peer pressure and all my friends around doing the things that they wanted to. And, and as a young man, knowing what God, you know, spoke to me at an early age and just having what my parents taught me, it was always the conflict of, what you know, should I do what my friends do or should I do what I was taught? And it got to that point where I said, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do that because that's me. I'm not going to be something that I was forced to do because my mind, oh, my parents forced me to go to church. And so playing baseball, getting lost in that, taking up all my time with that, having the friends. It was around my senior year of high school where I said, man, I need God. And I started making my way back to church. I started coming to Elevate. I started saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. My friends were coming. I was encouraged. But one thing crept in my life. And everybody else was doing it, so I thought it was okay. I had a girlfriend. And everybody was having sex and doing that. And as a young age, my parents said, do not do that. Do not do suspect any woman like that. You will wait till you're married. And it started off just as innocent as anything, holding hands. And being in high school, it's like, you know what? I want to live for God, but everybody else, I don't want to look weird and dumb. So one thing led to another. You know, I wasn't confessing sin. And one day I I slept with my girlfriend, and I remember just that day just being so awkward, going to church the next week. It's like, oh, my gosh. The pastor was preaching about the very same thing I was doing, hiding sin in my heart. And slowly but surely I left church. I left God. I said, to hell with God. I want to do what I want to do. But I was afraid of coming out and saying, man, I need help. One day, after leaving the church, not talking from anybody in the church, I separated myself from people either because I didn't want no one telling me about God. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. One day, a friend invited me to a play. It was a Halloween play of all days. had invited me there. And he said, come out, come watch me do, do the play. Just come for me. And I said, you know I don't go to church. You know I don't go to the metro. I, I won't do that. So please just come for me. So I went. And I remember seeing the play. And I remember God speaking to my heart. Adam, Adam, come back. And at that day, after everything was said and done, it was so real. And God was so real that I was making excuses. And I went up to the front. And I got my life right with God. And it was that day, three years ago this day, that I said, God, I'm coming after you. I made a personal choice to come to Jesus and be the leader, the pastor that he's called me to be. I want to just ask you how many would want your young people to make a decision for God right now like that, to avoid the heartaches of this world. To not have to go out and experiment. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us here. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? How many baseball fans do we have here? How many like the Cubs? Make some noise. How many like the Sox? Make some noise. How would you like to be a young person and to be able to play in both stadiums? Adam won the championship for Lane Tech two different times and got to play in Wrigley Field and in Cellular Field. 
When he's talking about making a decision over baseball, all of his friends, listen to me, the close friends, all of them are on rides right now to colleges for their baseball, all of them. And you may hear about them soon. This is not a kid that was in the gutter. This was a kid that had a future. But God said, will you preach for me? Will you be a preacher? And I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. You see, young people, and I'm going to specifically talk to you now. This world can offer you everything it has. It can offer you gold. It can offer you money, the fame, the fortune. It can offer you sex. It can offer you a big house. But what it can't do is save your soul. And the Bible says, even if you as a young person were to get the whole world, and we see Kanye West, we see, we see Lil Wayne, we see all of these baseball players, they're trying to get it. But the Bible says, even if they got the whole world, it's not worth their soul. Young people, you need to make a decision today to serve God, no matter what this world says. Adam kept it real. He said, well, everybody's doing it. How many times have you heard that, parents? Everybody's doing it. We all used to say that when we were kids. But listen to me, young people. Everybody may be going to hell, but you don't want to go there. The Bible says the road is wide that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life, and few there be that find it. Yes, we want you to be different than the crowd. We want you to be leaders in the crowd, going to heaven and bringing a generation with you. Come on. All y'all adults don't believe in young people getting saved, then that's all right. I believe in this generation to make a choice. Every one of you young people have a choice to make in your life. What are you going to go after? Adam had that choice, and he said, I'll go after God. Now it's your choice. Would everybody stand with me and give the Lord a hand clap of praise today? Come on, man, would you come forward? Let's bless the Lord for these trophies of grace. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now it's your turn. That was the presentation. Wasn't it awesome? That's better than Avatar right there, baby. Come on, right there. And it was free, wasn't it? By the way, there's going to be free candy for everybody today. We're going to give it to you at the door. So ushers, make sure as they go out so they don't have to all go to the cafe. Yeah, we wanted to bless you. We wanted to give you something so today you would know you don't have to dress up like a demon or a devil. Parents, you can bring them to church and they'll have a great time. But it's your turn now to make a personal choice. I'm sure that something that was said today spoke to you. Even if you say you're a Christian, it's okay for Christians to say, I need to change. Matter of fact, three or four of the people that came up here said they were great Christians. Ishmael was one of our worship leaders. He just confessed in front of the whole church pornography. How many men would do that? It's your choice, though. You see, me as a pastor, I'm in the toughest job in the whole world. Because I'm talking about life and death here. This is not just, you know, your job. This is not just school, young people. Think about, as a pastor, what am I doing? I'm talking about life and death, heaven and hell. And you want to know the hardest thing about it? Is I can't make no one follow Jesus. People come and fill this sanctuary up every Sunday. And I have to watch some of you walk out and choose the wrong direction. And I have to be back for you when you come next week. And some people will be gone for three months. And I still have to be here and shake your hand and smile. I want to tell you, that breaks my heart. I can only imagine what Jesus feels. So 
Don't you think about that, my friends? What does Jesus think about it? How does he feel when he sees us turn our back on him? When he sees us choose other things before him? It could have been this weekend. It could have been last week. Come on, friends. You know what it's like. Oh, nobody's looking. But God is. But here's the thing that gives me encouragement as a pastor. Is that Jesus said, this is what he said to me. He said, son, go into the world and teach them what I've taught you and make disciples. He said some would follow. He said the places they don't follow, shake the dust off your feet. And that's why you're here today, because I hope you're choosing to follow him. No one's going to make you. No one came up here. You know what? There's a lot more in this congregation that could have talked to. We just chose the ones that we thought would hit on every area. If we passed around the mic, I'm sure there's many of you. Maybe you're even visiting from another church, but God is so real to you. You know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for more people to receive that today so that they won't walk out this door just the way they came in. I'm looking at just some people, testimonies coming to my heart right now. Nick and Tammy, just raise your hand right here. Came to the Lord at David and Monica's wedding. Because she chose Christ, then brought them. They came to the Lord. I'm looking at Lily and Deanna right here in the front row. Just raise your hand. Two lame tech students because people like Adam kept going back to their school, reaching out to the campus. My friends, there's trophies of grace all in this place. Will you be one today for God? Don't let this opportunity pass you. It's your choice. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today for showing off some of your trophies. It's not because of Metro praise. It's because of Jesus Christ that lives are changed. Lord, we're just a part of the process. And Lord, I thank you today that we went out and invited friends and families, Lord. And there's visitors here, God. And there's, there's a whole lot of people here. God, I thank you for that, God. But, Lord, I I pray that today choices will be made. Not just they walk out and say, oh, that was a good service. But, God, today people will say, I choose to live for God. I choose to change. Father God, you gave us free will, freedom to choose. I pray today, God, that people make the choice for you. With every head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to begin to lift up those in this room who need to make that first choice to accept Jesus into your heart. Maybe you came here and your relationship with God is not where it's supposed to be. And right now you're beginning to think, what do I do? What do I do? How do I change? We're going to pray for you right now so that every person here can make the greatest choice, and that's to make Jesus the Lord of your life. This is what he said to do. He said, call upon my name and I will answer you. Whoever confesses the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever repents and turns from their wicked ways will be saved. That's the message. Believe and repent of your sins. So everybody's going to pray with you, but especially those right now who mean it from their heart, who are reaching out to God. Everybody pray this with me. Say, Jesus, we come to you today because we need you. Jesus, I confess my sins before you, and I declare... And I believe that you died on the cross for them. You were buried and you rose again on the third day so that I could be forgiven. Lord, change me from the inside out. Now, just on your own, I want you to begin to confess the areas that you need to change right now. 
Even if you're already a Christian, begin to confess them right now. If this is your first time praying, you don't need a priest. No offense to you, my friend, if you're used to that. But listen, all you need to do is open your mouth. God will hear you. Come on, I need to be forgiven. I need to get rid of pornography. This is now for everybody. Come on, everybody. Everybody, start it right now. It's between you and God. You've heard a lot of choices here brought before you. Come on. Keep it real with you and the Lord. Don't make excuses like nobody's perfect. Jesus was perfect so he could forgive your imperfections. It's your time. Forgiveness, healing.